well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad you joined the program today. We've got a good one for you. Coming up in uh, just a matter of moments, we're going to talk with Eric Delbert from uh, LEPD Firearms Range and Training in Columbus, Ohio, also the uh, co-host of the On Target Radio Show. Uh, Eric, also a member of law enforcement, we're going to be talking about the Casey Goodson Jr. case in Columbus. So Casey Goodson Jr., the concealed carry holder who was uh, shot and killed by a Franklin County, Ohio Sheriff's deputy, uh, Deputy Jason Mead, who was at the time um, working with a, uh, a U.S. Marshals Task Force. Uh, when uh, he allegedly saw Casey Goodson uh, drive by, was uh, pointing a gun uh, at, uh, according to Deputy Mead, at uh, himself and at others. Deputy Mead then uh, followed Casey Goodson Jr. home. Uh, apparently, uh, according to Deputy Mead, Goodson had a gun in his hand as he was going to his front door. Uh, Deputy Mead uh, yelled him uh, yelled for him to drop the gun. Shots were fired. Casey Goodson Jr. Uh, died right there, basically on his doorstep. Uh, Deputy Meade says his life is in danger. The family says that Casey Goodson Jr. didn't pose uh, a threat to anybody. Uh, he was a licensed concealed carry holder. They say that uh, uh, the gun that uh, was in Casey Goodson Jr.'s possession uh, was found basically inside the house. I mean, there's there's you got a bunch of different stories. You have almost no eyewitnesses. Uh, and now you've got a murder trial uh, again, murder charges filed against uh, Deputy Jason Mead. We spoke with Eric Delbert about this case about a year ago, uh, right after it first happened. The investigation has been going on since then, and the charges against Deputy Mead uh, were uh, levied last week. So I, I want to get uh, Eric Delbert's uh, take on this, as well as his thoughts on how this case is being presented there in uh, Columbus, both by the news media uh, as well as public officials. Uh, and is there a rush to judgment? Take a look and a listen. Eric, thanks so much for coming on the program, sir. It's so good talking with you today. Yeah, great being here again. I appreciate you inviting me back. Absolutely. Uh, and I would encourage folks to uh, check out On Target Radio Show. Uh, Eric is doing great stuff there along with his uh, co-hosts. Uh, but I want to talk to you, uh, Eric, about, uh, I think this is actually the topic we had uh, uh, you on talking about the last time you were on the show. Um, the shooting of Casey Goodson Jr. there in Columbus, Ohio, we now have seen murder charges filed against, uh, at the time, Deputy Jason Media, since retired uh, as an active duty law enforcement officer. Um, were you surprised to see the Franklin County prosecutor bring these charges? No, not at all. Uh, we have a prosecutor now, Cam, that ran on a platform that said, um, and these were his words, that we're going to go after officers who succumb to the temptation to shoot people. And uh, so he, he, from the onset said, we're gonna go after and start charging officers. So it wasn't a surprise, very disheartening, but uh, I think we all saw it coming. You know, and it's interesting too, because you bring up that prosecutor's comments, we've seen in the, um, the, the first comments made by the Oakland County, Michigan prosecutor after the school shooting in uh, Oxford, Michigan was, you know, if this doesn't make us revisit our gun laws, I don't know what will. Um, I, I personally don't want to hear prosecutors make political statements like that. Um, I, I know that it's their right to have an opinion about whatever topic, but, you know, look, we just went through, I, I think, a very high, high profile case with the Kyle Rittenhouse trial of 
seeing a prosecutor, I, I think, not only make some inappropriate statements outside of the courtroom, but engage in inappropriate behavior inside the courtroom as well. And it sort of poisons the well to me when you have these prosecutors making these politically charged statements, as the Franklin County prosecutor did, um, if you succumb to the temptation of shoot. I mean, at, at that point, does that prosecutor is, is is that prosecutor allowing for there ever to be a circumstance where an officer would be justified in pulling the trigger? I, according to him, it's very rare um, that in that interview that occurred about six, nine months ago, the reporter very wittingly followed up and said, you know, Prosecutor Tyak, isn't there, you know, aren't those officers merely protecting themselves and others when they do have to pull the trigger? And his answer was, well, they think they are, but they have choices. I mean, it's really disheartening to hear this. And like you said, I don't, you know, I don't want any favoritism for any part of you know the person in our society, if an officer done wrong, then we need to, to do what's right in the prosecutorial phases of that. But it is so, uh, it's just not the case. And especially here in Columbus, I mean, we're starting to mirror like a Chicago. Um, it, it's crazy. I mean, we've had, you know, this gentleman, Casey Goodson, I mean, the whole thing is tragic. You know, it is tragic. You never want to see the loss of life. But we've already, city council a month ago, has already put programs out there in honor of him. I mean, we're not even, you know, at, at a trial phase and they're honoring this man who pointed a firearm at law enforcement while having marijuana in his system. I mean, what are we saying as far as getting, being able to get a fair trial down the road? Yeah, um, so let's talk about that because uh, first of all, we should use the word allegedly pointed a gun at officers uh, because they, we right. don't have video right. evidence, right? You've got Deputy Meade's statement. Right. Um, but this is, seems to me is one of the key factors here in terms of the charging decision. I, were there other officers who say, yeah, I saw Casey Goodson point a gun at me? Because the, the, one of the last descriptions that I read, and I believe this was actually from uh, uh, Deputy Meade's uh, attorney, said that as Casey Goodson was driving by, so he wasn't connected to this investigation that was going on, right? The, the uh, deputy meeting was out there as part of a task force with the U.S. Marshals. They were looking for somebody else. Casey Goodson Jr. wasn't even on their radar. But supposedly, as Casey Goodson Jr. drives by, he points a gun at an officer and then points a gun at another person in another vehicle. And that's what prompted Deputy Meade to follow Casey Goodson, first in his car, then on foot, and then Goodson, again, is uh, shot and killed, uh, basically just, you know, steps from his front door. So is there independent corroboration that you're aware of that Casey Goodson Jr. did display a firearm, pointed a gun at multiple people before he was shot? No, it's my understanding. There were no witnesses anywhere along the way in this case. So from the beginning, where Deputy Meade describes Casey Goodson allegedly pointing the firearm at passerbys and as and as his words, tracking them as they drive by. So you can imagine, you know, pointing it at someone and kind of tracking them as that car moves by. And then a, apparently the same happened to Deputy Meade himself. Uh, but there are no witnesses, and that that comes into play too when you start hearing from the family and the family, you know, making statements such as he didn't point the gun or he didn't even have a gun. Well, there were no one there other than Deputy Meade and Casey Goodson Jr. Now, there were cooperating uh, people who heard Deputy Meade yell for him to drop the gun or some commands of that sort. So we do have that. But as, as far as the initial, what initially brought him 
uh, to you know to have the attention of Deputy Meade. There is no one else that I know of, at least that has come out that has said that. Yeah, see, this is to me where I I, I really I really struggle with this um, because it seems to me that you know based on what we know about Deputy Meade. Um, as far as I'm aware, uh, the only disciplinary action that he had against him was he, he discharged his taser and didn't tell his superior officer. So he had a, a, a notation in his record. Um, there may have been other, you know, minor uh, uh, incidents in his, what, 17 year career as a law enforcement officer. But it seems outside of the realm of ordinary behavior for uh, Deputy Meade to suddenly say, aha, there's a gun when there's not a gun and then go and chase this guy down uh, and, and shoot and kill him. Um, on the other hand, based on what the family and friends of Casey Goodson Jr. says, it also seems out of the ordinary or out of character for uh, this man to who had talked about, you know, previously wanted to be a firearms instructor uh, who was a licensed concealed carry holder to engage in the type of behavior that was described by Deputy Meade. This guy's just, you know, pulling out his gun and pointing it at people, tracking them as they're driving down the street. This is where I struggle and, and maybe come down on, I mean, I think I do come down on the point of, all right, well, let's get the facts out there. Uh, I don't know what a jury is going to do, but it seems like you've got two very, very different stories. Uh, and, and, and one of these two people, at least one of these two people, um, acting inexplicably different than the way that they have acted in the past. And I don't know how to resolve that right. because I don't know either of these individuals. I don't have any firsthand information. And, right. and you know, so what, what, is the, what is the issue with saying, look, let's take this to trial. Um, let's see what a jury of 12 people says. Uh, you know, under Ohio self-defense law, uh, just like as in the Rittenhouse case, just as in the case of, you know, uh, uh, Travis McMichael and Gregory McMichael and uh, William Roddy Bryant, you start with a presumption of innocence on the part of the defendant. Um, what's wrong with, with this case going to trial in your yeah. opinion? You know what? I, I'm not, uh, I don't, I don't necessarily think that it shouldn't. Um, I mean, we need to make sure all the facts come out. I don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, but I, I think where we come in, where we see the things that are disheartening is the sentiment around town and in local media where it's, it's done. It, he's convicted and he's done and they are mm -hmm. celebrating this as if it is the end all be all rather than saying, hey, look, we, we need to be given an opportunity now to look. I mean, for, for Deputy Meade to randomly start following somebody for no reason. So if, if Casey Goodson Jr. didn't have a gun out, well, then why would he begin following someone in the first place? And there's also some evidence out there that that Casey Goodson Jr. had taken pictures of himself with his gun out in his car before, or in, you know, in a way that I personally wouldn't do it, but that may be a little bit reckless. The thing that we said on our show last week is I didn't, like you said, I have no idea what type of person Casey Goodson Jr. was. He obviously had a firearm legally at the time, had a CCW here in Ohio, which is a good thing, but it could be he just made a bad choice that day. It could have been that he was, you know, listening to a song in the car, waving his gun around and made a bad choice that ended up in a tragedy. We don't know. So I don't think it's bad that we go forward. It's just, I mean, in, in today's environment, it's, it's, you know, it appears like Deputy uh, uh, Meade is done. And the other thing, too, that, that I keep coming back to, and no one here locally is talking about it, is Casey Goodson Jr. in his toxicology report had marijuana in his system. 
that precludes him from being a legal CCW holder here in Ohio. So I, I'm just saying, did it influence that day? I'm, I don't know. I don't know the amounts versus what is enough to influence your behavior. But nonetheless, he was a user. So th that should be something I think that's considered. Well, I, I think it should be considered. Um, you know, my personal feeling is that uh, it should be legalized anyway. And I think this is an issue that we're going to have to deal with in terms of gun owners and uh, cannabis. But, uh, you know, the law is what the law is uh, under the facts of this case. Um, you know, and I, and I, I absolutely agree with you, uh, Eric, about the court of public opinion versus the court of law. Uh, and this is a huge problem right now, and it is made worse by our media, and it is made worse by our public officials who should be. They've, they're the ones with a responsibility to tell people, hey, calm down, wait for the facts to come out. We don't know what we're going to learn here at trial. We don't know what evidence is going to be presented. We don't know what witnesses are, are, are going to say if there are witnesses who uh, uh, can testify. I mean, that was clearly the case during the Kyle Rittenhouse trial when even the prosecution right. didn't know what some of these, what, what their own witnesses were going to say on the stand. It seems to me like we, again, we've gotten some really public reminders of the importance of, of at least keeping an open mind here. You, you know, look, you can right. come to your opinion based on the evidence that's been revealed, and, and I'm sure we all will. But I, I, I'm with you. I don't like the fact, whether it's this case or any others, where we just presume that we know what the outcome should be uh, of a trial before that trial has ever taken place. We haven't even had a probable cause hearing. Right. Uh, uh, in the uh, case of Deputy Mead. And so, as you say, for these politicians to say, and look, I will tell you my personal opinion, I'm actually sympathetic towards Casey Goodson Jr. But having said that, I'm also open-minded enough to know, I don't know all of the information out there. Right. I don't know what is ultimately going to come down. Uh, and the idea of, of lionizing either of these individuals right now, right. Uh, including Casey Goodson Jr., you're right. I think that is, it's, is not prosecutorial malfeasance, but I think it's malfeasance on the part of these public officials uh, and members of the media who are more interested in crafting a narrative than in actually informing the public. And that's dangerous. That's just downright dangerous to do. It, it is. And the thing that I worry about is I take it a step for, for further. If Deputy Meade is found not guilty, go down, go forward six months, eight months, and mm -hmm. he's found now guilty. They have built it up so much in public opinion and in naming things in his honor and all this stuff so far ahead of time. What's that going to do for us officers on the street when they come out and say not guilty and we see the riots again and we and, you know, everyone shakes their hand and say, look, another case of, of justice not done. I think the expectation that they're setting now is just not right. I want them to step back and say, hey, look, there's evidence that we need to go further the grand jury indicted him so we're going to let the laws of the land play out here and but the way that's going about if you watch local media now you would think it's done yeah and again that doesn't serve anybody uh i mean maybe it serves the media you know maybe it serves some of these politicians but i i i don't i not only is it uh extraordinarily uh not helpful to the public it it really does as you say it poisons the well right, right? Uh, by setting that narrative and by setting those expectations. And then, you know, conversely, by the way, if uh, Deputy Meade is, is ultimately found guilty, th then the narrative will be, well, the system worked this time, right? Uh, 
Right. But the system, what drives me crazy here is that the system only works, quote unquote, when folks get the result that they want. Exactly. Right. And that's not, I mean, if, if that's the only right. way the system is working, then the problem lies with you. Uh, right. Because it's not that, you know, well, the system works because that I there, I, I there was a verdict that I agree with. That's not how this plays out. That's not what our criminal justice system is supposed to look like. And and you're right. There are, I mean, look, the, the rush to judgment uh, after George Floyd's death in Minneapolis, and ultimately, you know, Derek Chauvin was convicted of that crime, but that city burned. Other cities burned, um, you know, long before an arrest was made, long before the investigation was complete. It seems to me like public officials in the press know damn well what happens when they want to inflame tensions rather than inform the public. And so the fact that we are continuing to see this in Columbus right now is really, really disheartening. It is. I mean, and we have it's just the facts of it. We have a mayor, a city council. And, and now a prosecuting attorney who are all in their own rights, pretty much anti-law enforcement. Um, I mean, and we've seen it since, you know, the beginning of last year, at the start of the riots and the, the sentiment in the streets of officers, it's incredible. There is, there is very little proactive policing going on right now in the city of Columbus and the murder rate highest, highest year ever. Um, you know, it's just, there's no correlation that they see between what they're doing and what we're seeing on the streets <clears throat> and the ones who suffer are us, the citizens, you know? Yeah, well, absolutely. And look, and let's be honest, none of those public officials that you just mentioned would have any kind word to say for Casey Goodson unless uh, until he was shot and killed because they don't like legal concealed carry holders any more than they like law enforcement, quite frankly. Uh, you know, their, right. their issues, we've got too many guns out there. Right. Uh, and so if, you know, if, if, if Casey Goodson were simply a concealed carry holder, we never would have, you know, seen any headlines about him. But the 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 uh, the opinion of all of those folks you mentioned is, well, Casey Goodson shouldn't have a gun. You shouldn't have a gun. I shouldn't have a gun. We've got too many guns out there. We've got to go after the guns. That's the way to reduce violent crime. I, I don't I clearly don't think that's the case. I don't think a lot of Ohioans would agree here. Um, but I also find it interesting that, you know, why Casey Goodson Jr. is being lionized. Uh, and I think it is because he was killed by a member of law enforcement. If he had just been a concealed carry holder, let's say that Casey Goodson had tried to open up a uh, a, a, a store in Columbus, uh, you know, where he's offering firearms training and maybe he's offering guns for sale. There would be people in that community trying to shut him down for right. doing that. This, you know, right. it, it it just strikes me weird that the the anti-gun politicians, uh, you know, will adopt uh, Casey Goodson as a uh, as a hero, even though they hated. Uh, what, you know, that Casey Goodson was a legal gun owner. They don't like legal gun owners. And, and that's a great point. And we talked about it last week on the show. I mean, if people think that this case only applies to to law enforcement, rest assured, this prosecutor that we have, the first CHL holder who is in a situation where he has to use his, his or her firearm, they're going to come down on you too. I mean, this is, I mean, if you think you're doing the right thing, they're going to come down on you just like they're coming down on law enforcement here. So that's why we talk about on the show, we should all be concerned that if if you're using your firearm out there, you need to know what's coming, especially in Franklin County, uh, because it, it's not, even though you think it might be a cut and dry life or death situation, that is not what is, is coming down from the prosecutor's office. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, Eric, I really appreciate you joining us on the program today, sir. It's good catching up with you, and I hope that we get a chance to do this again soon. Absolutely. Uh, we'll keep in touch on this case and anything else, and uh, certainly I um, appreciate the offer to come on. Absolutely. Thanks, brother. Eric Delbert, join us, uh, co-host on Target Radio Show. Of course, you can find him at LEPD Firearms Range and Training Facility uh, as well. Appreciate Eric joining us on the program, and we are going to be following this case very closely. As I said, you know, look, I've got my sympathies, uh, but it's really even hard for me to say based on the evidence, this is what I think happened because we don't have a lot of evidence, certainly not that's come out publicly. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, my personal opinion is based on incomplete information, as is the personal opinion of everyone out there. So I just don't. I, I, I just it does bother me that you've got these public officials and not just in the case of Goodson case, but with any case that makes headlines. Uh, rushing to judgment, I think we can again, we're going to come to our own opinions. But we absolutely have to be open minded enough that when additional evidence comes out, we can look at it, weigh it ourselves and give it the, the credence that it's due. Look, if the evidence comes out and supports one side or the other, you got to be willing to follow the evidence. And I don't I just don't think that the general public, by and large, is willing to do that in large part because way too many public officials and almost the entirety of the press. Runs headlong in the opposite direction. They, they do rush to judgment. They rush to conclusions and then they craft a narrative around those conclusions. And if the evidence turns out not to match the narrative that's been crafted. I mean, look, as we saw with the Kyle Rittenhouse case, a lot of folks are willing to stick with the narrative uh, despite what the facts show. And, and I have a problem with that. Uh, all right, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report as well. We'll start there with a story out of CWB Chicago. Here's the headline. Man on electronic monitoring for robbing a store is accused of leaving home to rob Another store this week. Yeah, this is actually last week, but whatever. Um, his efforts were foiled. So this uh, story came to uh, a light on Friday. He was charged on Friday. Uh, Cameron Stevenson is this guy's name. Cameron with a K, I would add. Um, back on June the 1st, Cook County prosecutors say that Cameron Stevenson entered a store, went behind the counter, got into a fight with the cashier, as he tried to take control of the cash register. At one point, he allegedly put his hand inside his hoodie pocket as if he had a gun and repeatedly asked the clerk, do you want to die? And then he picked up the register and started to walk out of the store with it. Cashier confronted him again, and Stevenson then threw the cash register at the employee before running away. Entire incident captured on video. There's sound. Police arrested uh, Cameron Stevenson about an hour after this happened. They were actually responding to an unrelated incident. They said, oh, this looks like the guy on that surveillance video we just saw. So they arrested him. By the way, Stevenson uh, convicted of armed robbery as a juvenile in 2019 for robbing a CTA passenger, a uh, Transit Authority passenger, while he was armed with a BB gun. So June, Stevenson gets arrested. Judge Mary Marubio, then in August, uh, orders Stevenson to post $2,500 to go home on electronic monitoring. He does that on August 20th. So he's out. And then last Friday, the 19-year-old hauled back into court, facing new armed robbery charges as well as aggravated unlawful use of a weapon. The uh, Cook County Assistant State's Attorney, Sergio Gomez, 
uh, told Judge Susanna Ortiz that Stevenson walked behind the counter of a convenience store last Thursday morning and pointed a handgun at the clerk's face as he tried to take the cash register. So this time there wasn't, uh, uh, you know, an allegation that he kind of hinted that he had a gun. Uh, this time he actually displayed it, allegedly. Surveillance video shows uh, Stevenson, allegedly, and an accomplice opening the register in an alley and then going their separate ways. Uh, again, about an hour after the incident was reported, cops arrested Stevenson. They saw him on the street, noticed he looked like the robber. Officer said he was carrying a loaded 9mm handgun. Uh, and according to the uh, assistant state's attorney, Stevenson was also wearing his Cook County electronic monitoring device, which he was supposed to be wearing while he was on home detention while awaiting armed robbery charges. Yeah. Stevenson thought he was being smart. Apparently, he covered up the uh, device, or tried to anyway, by wrapping aluminum foil around it. Yeah. I don't know why he didn't just cut it off. I mean, I know it's supposedly it alerts authorities, but uh, we've seen incidents where someone cuts off their GPS monitoring device, and it's weeks or months before they're actually taken into custody. Not that I would recommend doing that for anyone out there, but um, yeah, kind of surprised he went the extra mile to wrap it in aluminum foil. I, I don't know if it worked or not, but um, Stevenson is now being held without bail on the new robbery charge. Uh, she also ordered him held without bail for a, a few days on the May robbery case until that judge can uh, review the new developments. Meanwhile, today's Armed Citizen story, also from Chicago, also from last Friday, where a concealed carry holder fatally shot a man in the Chicago Lawn neighborhood. Uh, police say that uh, the man was shot and killed uh, after... He threatened the concealed carry holder with a firearm. It happened about uh, 6.45 Friday morning uh, there in Chicago, in the Chicago Lawn neighborhood on the city's southwest side. Authorities say a 37-year-old male was in an alleyway when he got involved in a verbal altercation with an unknown male offender who was in a vehicle. The offender in the vehicle produced a firearm, at which time the 37-year-old drew his own firearm and fired shots at the offender. The uh, 37-year-old victim... Uh, had both a valid FOID and a valid Illinois concealed carry license. Authorities say the man shot in self-defense. The uh, offender pronounced dead on the scene. The concealed carry holder uninjured. Detectives do continue to investigate, but again, at this point, looks like a clear-cut case of self-defense among uh, uh, one of the 30,000 or so uh, individuals in Chicago who are licensed to carry a firearm. By the way, that number could and should be going up if the state of Illinois did not make it difficult, as difficult as it makes it, in order to obtain a concealed carry license. Uh, 30,000 individuals, that, that's, well, what, you got about almost 3 million people in the Chicago area, right? So you're looking at 1% of the population. Whereas in, uh, I, I just did a story earlier today about uh, El Paso County, Colorado, where of the adult population, about 10% have a concealed carry license. So I'm glad that we've got shall issue in the state of Illinois, but we still have a long way to go in ensuring that the average citizen can exercise their right to bear arms in self-defense. Uh, finally today, our good deed of the day from Detroit, Michigan, where officers in the right place at the right time will able to do the right thing to help get four abducted children home to safety. This was last Tuesday. Officers uh, pulled a woman over for running a red light. So this is, you know, in essence, just a random traffic stop. 
Somebody runs a red, they pull the car over, and they discover that she had four kidnapped children inside. Uh, 37-year-old Stephanie Marie Binder of uh, Detroit pulled over about 7.30 uh, last Tuesday morning. When the officers approached the vehicle, they saw four kids in the backseat crying. And they asked Stephanie Binder, hey, are these your kids? And she said, oh, yeah. And then they asked the children, do you know her? And they all shook their heads no. And that's when Stephanie Binder was arrested. The uh, mother of the children, Shayla Burley, says she obviously believed that her kids were safe. She said, when I first got the call, I didn't know to what extent uh, exactly what was going on. As it turns out, Binder's accused of kidnapping the children while they were walking to school. So as far as mom knew, she sent the kids off, have a good day at school, and that was it. But uh, no. In fact, uh, authorities say that Binder uh, stole a van and then stole the kids. Basically, uh, she's now been charged with four counts of kidnapping, child enticement, four counts of unlawful imprisonment, one count of unlawfully driving away of an automobile, and one count of receiving and concealing a uh, stolen motor vehicle. And again, the uh, quick thinking of those officers thought they were just pulling over, getting ready to issue a traffic citation. Uh, we thank you for your very good deed. Now, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. want to thank you, as always, for being a part of the program. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. Don't forget to check out BearingArms.com in the meantime. And uh, if you like what you see there, if you like what you hear, well, maybe not necessarily if you like what you hear on this program, but if you think it's important, the work that we're doing here, I would strongly encourage you to become a VIP member of BearingArms.com. Uh, just go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. You'll get a significant discount on your VIP membership, uh, which not only gives you exclusive content, but also uh, really does show your support for the work that we're doing here. And it is greatly appreciated. We know how bad the anti-Second Amendment attitudes are within the mainstream media. It is so important to have a counter out there, someone who actually does care about the facts and not just the narrative. And I... I believe that's what we do. Not only myself, but Tom Knighton, John Petrolino, Ranjit Singh, all of the writers we have at Bearing Arms. That is important to all of us, and we really do appreciate your support. Have a great rest of your Monday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free. <laughs>